0: Starting today, we are beginning this uh, possibly four, five, six, seven, eight, I don't know how long it's going to go, journey on a sermon series. We're going to call it Rediscovering Church, and essentially we're going to talk about what a church is. And I know that that brings up all kinds of emotions, positive and negative for many of us. Pastor Michael in a, in a moment is going to come and preach today and he's sort of giving an introduction and then next week we will delve in to Ephesians 2, Ephesians 3, 1 Peter 2, possibly First Corinthians chapter 12 and 13. Um, so that's why I say it might go four weeks and it might go eight weeks. We'll see. Um, what I want to do in the next few minutes, and I promise Michael it's a few minutes, I'm not going to do what David Swanson did at Christmas service. Introduction that went on for 30. I'm going to a few minutes and then I'm time. Okay, time me. When when I'm done with like five, seven minutes, Michael, I give you permission to walk up, do what I do. Just stand next to me and then I'm I'm going to be done. 30,000 foot perspective. 30,000 foot perspective about what this sermon series is about, why we're doing it. Recap in our church, if you can come to our church, here's what we know from Genesis to Revelation is that we have a God who is on mission. We have a God who is on mission. We talk about this a lot, and He is on mission to do three things. We have slides for this. He's on mission to connect us to God, connect us to God's people, and connect us to God's purposes. God's purpose is being not just to save individuals to go to heaven, but to redeem and renew all of creation. We say this over and over and over again in our church. we use the three words Christ' community cause. God is on mission. Connect us to Himself, connect us to each other, connect us to His purposes. Secondly, Genesis Revelation also tells us, listen there carefully, that the mission of God, this mission that God is up to, has a church. The mission of God has a church. We talk about how churches have a mission, and you need to listen very carefully to this. Churches have a mission, and it's good that churches have a mission, but you need to understand that the theologically accurate way to say this is that the mission of God has a church, both humbling and encouraging at the same time. Humbling because we recognize that the mission of God will advance whether we are part of it or not. Can I get an amen? Because God is a big, great, amazing God, right? He can make you and out of dirt go, There we are. He could do anything. God's mission is advancing. so humbling to know, wow, this amazing God, do this in a word. And yet, it's incredibly exciting because God, this amazing God says, but you know what? I've chosen to do this through the church. I've chosen to do this mission to connect people to myself, connect people to each other, and connect people to my purposes to Redeemer's soul of creation. I choose to do this mission through the church. Is that amazing to anybody? Amen. God has literally bound Himself to the church in some ways and saying, this mission I have meets the church. God. Therefore, third point, New Community Covenant Church does not exist so you can come and listen to a good sermon. Does not exist so you can come and enjoy the worship. It does not exist so that you can come and go, I'm here to just get and receive. New Community Covenant Church exists for one reason, one reason only, in three parts. It is to fulfill the mission of God of Connecting people to God. Connecting people to each other. Connecting people to His mission. Our church exists. And we do have to come up with our mission. The mission has been gone from Genesis to Revelation. The mission of God. Connect people to Himself, each other, His purposes. New Committee Covenant Church exists. Connect people to God, to each other, God's purposes. That's why we exist. So therefore... <laughs> Last one, I promise. Everything we do here, every gathering, every worship service, every small group, everything we do in this church is so that we could either help you connect to God, help you connect to each other, help you connect to God's purposes, or to equip you to help others connect to God, Help others connect community, help others connect God's purposes. Is that clear? So you have a right to go, why do we do this again? And if we cannot tell you and explain to you how it connects to the mission of God, connect people to God, connect people to each other, connect people to God's purposes, Christ's community cause, then we don't do it in this church, flat out. We just don't do it. There's no need to do it. Is that clear? You guys, do you know how hard this is, Michael? I'm and I'm almost lying. this. This is this is this. This sermon series is going to be so powerful and yet so hard because vast majority of you are American, and the vast majo- us, us vast majority of us are American. Okay, I include myself. Or American, that means that as latest statistic came out, 81% of us actually think that we could be a Christian and have a relationship with God without the church. And that is one of the biggest misunderstandings of the Christian life, that the American culture sold you. So you, we are brainwashed into thinking that the church exists for me only. So when it longer meets my needs, I check out and I go somewhere else. Two things real quick. There's no such thing as a perfect church. There's no such thing as a perfect community. If there was a perfect community, it would stop being perfect the moment you joined. (laughs) Secondly, If you're sitting there going, I, fault, 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 no, I, I want a perfect community. I'm telling you, newsflash, it would stop being perfect the moment you walk through the doors. Secondly, the grass is always greener on the other side. Oh, I don't like this about it. I don't like this about grass. I would that church over there. If the, wa- if the grass isn't as green as you like it on this side, then water the darn grass on this side. Water it. (laughs) I'm done in one minute. We believe that one of the most important ministries that fulfill God's mission to connect people to God, connect people to each other, God's purposes, and to equip you to connect others to God, Others teach other, others guys. One of the most important ministries is our community group ministries, our small groups. Here's where our church is. We have more people wanting to join community groups than there are actual community groups available. Why? We don't have enough leaders to lead community groups. It's a it's a good problem to have in our church. We are in need of community groups, small group leaders in our church. There are some of you that have been sitting going, how do I serve? Where can I serve? Community groups, small group leaders is a vital, critical need in our church. What I want to do right now is I actually want to acknowledge and thank all the men and women in our church who by their service as community group leaders help people connect to God, help people connect to each other, help people connect to God's purposes. If you're a small group leader, will you stand from where you are? Stand up. Stand up. Yeah. Stand up. Stand up. woo <laughs> 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 Yes. 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 Thank you. 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 Secondly, I want to do this. If you're a part of a community group, small group, stand from where you are. If you're part of a small group, come here, stand from where you are. Stand up, stand up, stand up from where you are, part of a small group, okay? All right, You sit down. In the next couple weeks, you guys will begin to hear announcements because a call will go out for people to be, a call will go out for people to go through possibly six to eight week training equipping to help you become small group, community group leaders in our church. So please pay attention to the announcements, bulletins, and other verbal things that are going to go out. If you are sitting here this morning going, God, is that me? Spirit of God, are you talking to me? Holy Spirit, are you talk- am, I, am I supposed to step up to fill this need in this church? If that's you, I want you to prayerfully pray this week. And then when the call goes out for an interested in those who are serving, wanting to serve in this capacity... Please attend that meeting so you can find out more information. Okay. One of the things I love about our church. I'm done. I'm done. I know. I gave him a look. He didn't just come up by himself. Come here, Michael. One of the things I love. One of the things I love about our church, and we're gonna we're gonna. We're going to talk about this some more. I love the fact that not everybody likes my preaching and that people enjoy other people's preaching. I love that. No, I do. I'm totally serious. I totally love that. And we get to hear other men and women and their voices. So at this time, we're going to pray for Pastor Michael. Father, speak to him. Clarify and, 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 and bring to a deeper level, God, the truth that we need to hear about why our church the church big sea of christ exists in this world so at this moment open our hearts open our ears to be receptive to your word that would land on good soil in jesus name
1: this week as i was uh, preparing there were two things that sort of stood uh, around me. Uh, One was uh, Midwinter. Midwinter is our denomination's annual pastor's conference, and it was going on this week. I didn't actually participate very much in Midwinter, but I knew that Midwinter was happening. And it is the pastor's conference where um, the the covenant pastors come from across the United States. Uh, This year was here in Chicago uh, for the purposes of being renewed or refreshed, Developed uh, to reconnect, and um, it it was an opportunity. And I was there Monday night, got to participate in the worship service with some of our uh, church and uh, other other leaders from Bronzeville and so on. Uh, and it, it's for me, uh, especially this week, it it was a reminder that uh, God's church and God's leaders uh, and leaders of churches and local assemblies are more than just of who I get to interact with on a regular basis. The Pastors Conference is that opportunity where uh, we see people who we haven't seen for a long time. be is here today, having been at Midwinter, and, and we get to hear voices and participate in worship with men and women, uh, lay leaders and pastors uh, who are a part of God's church, a part of that larger body of believers. And for me this week, it was this... This this present uh, reminder that the church of God is broader and larger than I could ever really see. The church, uh, some of whom's leaders have gathered this week for the Covenants Conference, is, is bigger and stronger and longer and deeper than I will ever interact with. And, and midwinter was in my mind this week as I thought about this message, as I thought about the church. And so midwinter was sort of the first thing that was on my mind. The other thing that was on my mind was a uh, meal baby. Say that. Say meal baby. Meal baby, meal baby is this uh, word for me over this week. That, that that we mean around here, uh, when we have, uh, you've seen this in your bulletin, we have additions to our church family. There are babies that have been born. And what we try to do in this church historically is when babies are born, when families expand through adoption and so forth, we come around that family that has grown and we try to provide meals for a week, two weeks, things like that. And so uh, Amanda, our church uh, administrator and children's ministry uh, coordinator, and Angela Zirk, director of community life, we met Friday and we talked about Meal Baby. We've sort of talked about this pause because the roster is old, and the people who said they once would are have been on there for a while, and we don't exactly have that many people in uh, the Meal Baby ministry, if you can call it that, to to provide meals for these new families. Which is why the bulletin announcement is written the way it is. And and Meal Baby was for me this other reminder that that the church, that the community of God's people is a very immediate and visible community. That the needs that are represented in the church are, are immediate and visible and almost count, uh, uh, measurable. They're, they're, they're able to be seen. And so on the one hand, there is midwinter in my awareness and my consciousness this week that is a reminder that the church is, is beyond what I can see. And on the other hand, there's a conversation about additions in a congregation that are right in front of And if you are like me, and you may not be, but if you're like me, uh, when you think about the church, and when you think about God's church, you probably move toward one experience or understanding of the church and not me is as, as we move into this sermon series that Pastor Peter starts teaching next week and preaching about what the church is, you are probably sitting here more inclined to think of the church as that mystical community, as that mystical communion, as that body of invisible and visible people from centuries past and from the future who you can't never see, who you can't ever know. You, you're probably the type to move in that direction or to say that the church is the immediate community around me. The needs of the neighborhood and the, and, and, and the community and the people who I'm in relationship right now are how I understand God's church to be. And I want to suggest to you as we turn our attention to Matthew chapter 16 that all of us, being in one corner or another or throughout the spectrum, need to prayerfully wait for God and listen to God's voice as we all stretch in some. And understand what the church is. Because the church is not one or the other. The church is both these and other things. The expression of God's local assembly. The community of people. Followers of Jesus. Is very much what you can see. And it is very much at the same time. What you can. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 16, turn your ears to this verse, one verse, uh, the 18th verse, as, as, um, as you turn there, if you're flipping your pages, what's happened uh, most immediately in this chapter, Jesus has asked his followers a question. Uh, and if you've been in church for some time, you may have heard this passage preached. You may have heard uh, this passage referred to. Jesus has said to his disciples, Who do people say I am? What are people saying about me? Who are people saying, That I am, and the disciples are answering Jesus's question. And uh, Peter, the apostle—well, the disciple Peter, turned apostle uh, Peter—stands and he offers his answer, really for the group. After Jesus says, "Okay, who do you say that I am?" and Peter becomes uh, this this uh, this answerer to this question. He answers this question: "You are the Christ. You are the Son of the Living God." And Jesus. Responds to Peter by saying to him, uh, that's true. You didn't know that because flesh and blood revealed it to you. And then comes uh, verse 18 where we will spend our time over the next uh, three hours this morning. (laughs) And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is God's word for us this morning. Matthew's gospel is filled with various ways for us to understand God's kingdom and life in God's kingdom. His gospel gives us sermons and stories and parables from the lips of Jesus so that we can understand what life is in the kingdom of God. Matthew records miracle after miracle so that we can see. That God has a mission that the Son of God who is Jesus is a part of that mission. And Matthew gives us these sermons, these parables, these stories, these miracles where, where Jesus is over and over again saying the kingdom looks like this. Come and be a part of it so that we can not only know that God has a mission, that God's kingdom uh, and the Son of God is a part of that mission, but also that Jesus is inviting and calling others to participate in that mission. And so Jesus, while he's preaching and while he's teaching and while he's working all of these kinds of miracles he's, he's, he's calling disciples and his disciples is a diverse group of followers there's a, a wealthy wife of a political leader as one of his disciples. There is a trader and a, and a Jewish tax collector in his group of disciples there's an entrepreneur, a few entrepreneurs and fishermen businessmen in his Group of disciples, and this diverse group of followers, uh, as Matthew writes, uh, are experiencing the teachings and the sermons and the miracles of Jesus. And Jesus is exposing them as he exposes us to God's mission. Matthew writes for his immediate community and he writes for us who listen to the scriptures so that we can know not only does God have a mission that they were a part of, but God's kingdom mission is open and available. Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 is talking uh, to his disciples earlier part in the chapter. He warns them about the poor leadership of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And he's drawing a distinction between how they lead and how they embrace their religious life and how his disciples ought to lead and embrace their religious life. He's, he's putting before them a warning about uh, what it means to be in his kingdom. And then he gets into this question about identity. And Peter speaks again for this group uh, that you are the Christ. Jesus, Jesus, after warning his disciples, uh, gets into this question and answer later on in the chapter. he He will turn a corner and tell his disciples what kind of leader he really is. He will tell them that his leadership and his kingdom will involve suffering. He has laid these hints before, but he will tell them explicitly after this moment and beyond that he is the kind of Messiah, he is the kind of leader who dies in order to fulfill his purpose. And so he asks his disciples this question about his identity. Peter answers this question that he is Christ, the anointed one, and Jesus says to him that I will build my church upon you. Now, this morning, I'm going to give you three points, and my my points are going to be so basic um, and, 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 and deceptively basic that you will come away from this sermon and you will say, well, Uh, Michael, I could have done that and I will lean back and I will say, that's the whole idea. Before I get to my main points, they will be main points which means I will tell you this is one of my main points and it will be on the screen. It will be a main point so that you will not miss the main point. But before getting to the first one, I want to ask to think about your own life, God having this mission, God having this kingdom work that God is completing, and Pastor Peter setting us up to think about our church particularly. If God has a project, if God has a, has a cosmic work, if God has a, a, a mission, what is it that stops you from being a part of God's Why, if God is is performing a project in your soul, do you frustrate that project? Think about this, and and this is not, uh, you don't look like the crowd, it will, but just in case you wanted to answer me out loud, and I know you won't, just in case you would, this isn't the part where where you answer my question, but if God is working something in you, for you, what is it that that has you pressed that internal pause button on the work of God? God, I know you're at work and I know you have a mission and agenda. I know you have, a, have an overall task. You, you are working and renewing and restoring. But I don't want to be a part. I want you this morning to think about the answers that you have. And and I don't want you to throw that list away. I don't want you to bury that list. I want you to bring that list before your mind and your heart this morning. Because that list, those things on your list, the answers to your questions of why I don't want to be a part of what God is doing. Those are uh, the, the points where God has to turn over Those are the things that we actually pray about over these next weeks. The reasons why you are, the real reasons why you say, I get it, but no. Those, those will become the evidence of God changing your life. So if you don't do anything else uh, 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 this morning, can you think about those reasons? Write them down in your heart and turn your heart to God. My first point, my first main point is that Jesus builds you. Jesus Says to Peter in this text, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. This verse is often used to talk about Peter's role in Christianity. There's a kind of conversation historically of whether it means Peter is the, the primary voice of the church, if he is uh, this first among equals, if he is uh, the vicar or the primate or the bishop, if you will, of the church. And on the other side, there is this notion that Peter is a representative of the disciples. He's a a, a member of this group of disciples. And I don't really want to talk about that as much as I want to talk about God building Peter. And God, in the same way, building you. Uh, And the thing about Peter is... Jesus knows him. Jesus knows that this Peter uh, is a guy with a temper. He, he is a guy who, who thinks... Now, he grows, and we see him growing throughout the Gospels. He eventually writes a, a book that gets canonized. He has a book in the New Testament, and he's preaching uh, the primary message at Pentecost. And so Peter is not the same throughout the entirety of the New Testament. But by the time Jesus lays this down, says this to Peter... Peter is not that good of a preacher. He's not that good of a leader. He's probably not even writing at that point. He's, you know, he has a temper. He doesn't think things through. And Jesus, knowing this guy, knowing this disciple, is saying to him and not to his future self, I am going to build upon you. And not only will I build upon you, but I will build. And so Peter here uh, is is a a man, his his name actually means small, his name means petty, you know, so you get this this image, there's a pun in this passage of, of, you know, this small stone and Jesus saying, I will build upon this rock, I will build, so that's there in this text too, but Jesus here is trading Peter's identity, he's changing Peter, he's converting Peter and he's doing... Doing it while knowing who Peter fully is. He's, he, he knows this. man. He's calling him by his given name in verse 17. He says, you are the son of Jonah. I know your history. I know your story. I know all your yesterdays. And I want you. I think that's the gospel in this verse this morning I think the gospel in this verse this morning is that God knows exactly who you are and wants you the lazy you the complicated you, the angry you, the fear filled you the nervous you The slippery you. The unreliable you. I can build my church upon you. If that's not a thread of grace, where grace means good things you can't earn. There is no threat. If if Peter and you, because you know you better than the person next to you knows you, if you and your story, however your story has been written, does not expose you to grace, what does? Because you're not, as has already been said. A perfect person. Now, your spouse—your spouse doesn't even think you're perfect. Uh, Your girlfriend may think you're perfect. (laughs) Hopefully, you don't have a spouse and a girlfriend. Uh, (laughs) But you're not perfect, and God wants to do something perfect in you. Jesus. You. This is consistent with what God has already been doing in Peter's life. In John 1, John, uh, John 1 and 4, uh, verse 40, Jesus says to him early on when he calls him, um, I'm going to give you a nickname. And right from the beginning, Jesus says, I know who you are. I'm going to call you something else. I know what you've been. I'm going to call you something else. I'm not going to deny what you've done. I'm going to call you something else. And so for you this morning, listening to me, can I tell you very simply that God knows where you've been and yet Jesus will build you. God knows what you've done, your history, your past, and the gracious story is that God wants you. Does that make sense? Number two, hopefully it does because I'm not going to say any more about it. Number two. This is the second point. The second point, almost as subtle, is that Jesus builds us. Say the word us. "us." Peter is a part of this group of disciples, and he has a loud mouth, and he talks for this group a lot. And this text is consistent with what Peter has always done as a disciple who talks a lot. And and Jesus has asked this group this question. Peter speaks the mind of the group. He answers correctly, gets the gold star, gets the check plus. And Jesus goes into how he will build Peter, how he will build his church. And scholars talk about how the foundation that Jesus builds upon is not just Peter but the collection of the disciples Jesus is building upon this corporate proclamation of the gospel so that uh, so that so that Jesus's people that God's people carry the kingdom message that God's people are people who proclaim Jesus's identity God's People are a, a citizenry that invites others into uh, the kingdom. The church that Jesus builds is an us that is a collection of voices who tells others about God and Jesus and God's purpose. Now, the thing about this us stuff is it's completely consistent with God. This is, this is, this is why the church... Um, is never just about you because when whenever God, whenever God says something, it is always a conversation with others. God is inherently a uh, community, Christian. Theology talks about God as triune. Uh, the Holy Trinity is the, the best language we grab for when we talk about God because God is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And so when God from Genesis says, we will make, and when God says in Matthew 16, I will build, God is always speaking to God's self. And God's self is communal. God's self is an us. God's self is a we. And so when God talks uh, about you, when God says that God will do something in you, God is speaking out of God's own corporate communal identity. So when God says that God's going to do something in you, God is never saying God will stop at you. God never spoke to stop at a single individual person. God started speaking to three persons who is one. And in Matthew when Jesus says, I will build, Jesus is speaking, yes, as very much man, but very much God who always talks to and us. It is very Christian for God to build This church isn't about you alone. It is about you and the community of people you inherently interact with. If the the triune God uh, is, is an inherent community, is an automatic us, when we get to the nuts and bolts of whatever the triune God is doing, impacting you, that impact never stops with you. It continues with the community that you are naturally in. Say the word, us. God is building us, not just you. God is working in us. Not just me. Not just you. Last week, we celebrated our anniversary, as you uh, heard, or as you know, if you were here. And it was a wonderful opportunity for us to hear what God has been doing. And um, if you weren't here, you need, to, you need to look at the videos when they're up and the podcast when it's up. Uh, if you were here, uh, you remember how wonderful it was. And I, I want you to, to recall last week, I'm going to give you a couple of questions to hold with and to hold and to pray with and to think through over this week as we prepare uh, for the next uh, set of sermons. Um, but but last week, after the, the worship service, we had a leaders meeting, and Amy Haley, one of our leaders in hospitality, said that the service was a marker. For it was one of those times where she got to um, attend to what God has been doing in a very intentional way. It was a marker. And that language comes out of scripture. Jacob sets up markers. But primarily in Joshua, where the people are going in to the promised land and before they divide the land and before they take the land in this, um, in this uh, very miraculous way, um, God leads Israel to set up markers. And they set up these stones so that they can tell the story uh, to their children. Uh, we pass by these stones. What are those rocks about? And we tell the story. And Amy was kind of invoking that language when she told the ministry leaders that it was a marker for her. And, and, and this is sort of the intro to this first question that I want to uh, leave with you this morning. And that is, what marker would you set? To show the world that God is working here in us. Is there a stone that you would set up? Is there a testimony that you would tell? Is there a marker that you would set up uh, to show that God is active? That God is working in us? Secondly. Are you seeing God build as it happens at this church, or are you too focused on what's next? I think a temptation for uh, especially people who like to get things done is to just go to the next thing. But one of the most powerful tools of spiritual formation and growth is memory. And the extent to which we remember well is the extent to which we will get to see what God is doing. You know, you can miss what God is doing by going and doing for God. Well, God is at work, God is building, and I'm going to put my hands to what God is building. And this is my part in what God is building. I get the water, and I get the the concrete, and I mix it, and I get the uh, trowel, and I work. I get the shovel, I get the wheelbarrow, and I work, this is my part. And you never see the building. You never step back and say, oh, that's it. Because you look for what's next. What do I, I finish that? What do I do now? And I think last week was one of those moments for us, and certainly the first week of the month, when we, the first Sunday of the year uh, when we had testimonies. Uh, these are the kinds of things that help us to see what God is doing right now as it happens. Jesus builds us in this way. The third question. I have uh, six the third one, and I won't talk through all of them. Can you point to times in your life where God has used you to build this church? For some of us, we have no problem being used by God. We have no excuse. We want to be used by God. We want to be active in what God is doing. We want God to build us through us, for others of us, it's more of a challenge. It's more of a difficulty. Maybe there are practical reasons why you haven't been used by God. And this question really comes for you. Can you point to times when God has used you? And if, as you think about the church and your involvement in it over these weeks, you cannot point to what God has done through you. If you cannot point to how God has used you, something is wrong with If you can't answer this question with some answer, there's something wrong with your life. You need to take your life to God and say, God, um, I want you to use me. Frankly, God, I don't want to be used by you. And God can do more with that than you acting like you want to be used by God and never actually surrendering Can you point to times when God has used you to build here? Number four, do you remember stories of how God has brought others into the kingdom? Do you remember stories of God bringing people to himself, to his work? And uh, uh, number five, have you seen God broaden and deepen the worldwide church? Have you seen God do things outside of your local church or of new community if this is your local church? Have you seen God's work and God's activity somewhere else so that you are constantly reminded that God is working somewhere else? Do you have testimony in your life, uh, reminders somewhere scattered throughout your life that God is not just working right where you are? When you think God is working just where you are and God doesn't act the way you think God should act, your faith crumbles and falls apart because you think God is only where you are. But when you're reminded that God is elsewhere, when you're hearing testimony of what God is doing somewhere else, And God isn't so active right where you are. It keeps you alive. It keeps you trusting that the next step is maybe the step where God will expose you to something that God is doing. Lastly, uh, do you celebrate God's mission? Do you celebrate God's mission in other places or are you tied to what uh, God Will do. Do you celebrate what God has done in other places, or are your hopes tied to what God will do? I think that Jesus uses our worship to form us, our praise to form us, our celebration of what God has done to form us into a more trusting. Of God. Jesus builds you is my first point. Jesus builds us is my second point. And my last point is that Jesus builds. I'm going to need some volunteers for this part of the message. Um, So if you, if you, uh, If you're the type who likes to say things in church and, you know, we're just a little too quiet for you, you probably want to be one of my volunteers. And so I want six or seven of y'all volunteers to stand up. Just stand up and don't say anything until I tell you what I want you to do. So this is the part where you volunteer. Uh, Six, seven. Okay, there's one, two. I'm not good at counting. Okay. A couple more. Two more. I'll decide. Okay, Tom is the – all right, all right. That's enough. Boy, you guys moved really. I didn't want everybody to stand. I just, you know, looked like everybody was about to stand at one. So, uh, thank you, thank you, uh, stand there. Wait, let me let me set this part up just a little bit, and I'm actually almost done. Jesus is the you know, You're not the one responsible for the work of God being completed in the world. You're not the one responsible for completing the work of God in the world. You're not responsible for the work of God in the world. God is, right? And, uh, and the question is, do we train ourselves to believe that? Do we, do we, do, are we formed by that truth, or do we live as if, now some of us live as if, it, it doesn't matter whether I'm a part of God's work in the world at all. And others of us live as if we are completely responsible for the work of God in the world. And the anchor is that God is at work in you, in us. That Jesus is building in you. Y'all can't okay stand up. I know. I don't want you to get too tired. I've been standing up. so I'm not going to keep you standing much longer. Just Jesus is responsible for the work of God. That means that Jesus is responsible for you. That means that Jesus is responsible for us. That means that Jesus is responsible for what Jesus is trying to do. That has to set the tone for everything we do. So that you don't... um, You know what that does is it prevents you from burning out. If I can use that language. And it also uh, prevents you from copying. out. Because if God is at work through you, you can't say it doesn't matter whether you're a part of it. Because God is always in scripture bringing us into the work of God if Jesus is to be held. It's true. So you can't cop out or flake out as if you participating in the work of God doesn't matter, That's But on the other hand, you can't sort of burn out and say, it matters, it matters, I'll take everything I need to take and do everything I need to do because I'm the one who's pulling all this together, holding all this together. No, you never were. And this part of the message where my volunteers will help me is is kind of a a reminder, I think, of what Jesus in the scriptures has been doing. And so I'm going to ask you folks, your ladies and gentlemen who are standing, and what we'll do is we'll just kind of go in a little... Mind, right, so we'll go like that. Okay, so we'll start with you, Sam. will move to you. We'll go to you. We'll go to you. We'll go to you. Okay, Tommy will be last, and then we'll start over. Okay, now I want you um, to clear your throats. Uh, Ashley, clear your throat. Uh, clear your throat. I, I want your preaching voice. You have a preaching voice. Um, you have a preaching voice. It's it's sort of uh, it's sort of no 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 mics no mic oh no mics no, the mics won't work you know no my mic works I'm just kidding. Um, Use your preaching voice. Now, the preaching voice is not a yell, but it's kind of like a yell, right? It's sort of, I'm using my preaching voice right now. It's not quite a yell. For some people, it's hollering, but it's not really hollering. You ask my son what hollering is, and he'll tell you. But, uh, so it's, it's, sort of, it's sort of pre-hollering, it's pre-yell, but it's, it's there. You know, it has a little base, but it has enough projection, right? Just use your preaching voice, okay? And I want you, uh, for us, to read, uh, uh, who behind the computer is at you? Okay, can you put that next, okay. Now, I want you to get your eyes adjusted to this, because uh, what I don't want you to read is the address. So You won't read the scripture, you will simply read what Jesus did and you'll read one and then it'll move to the next person, right? So what will happen is the first person will say made water from wine. Wait, that's not... Hey, hey, you don't have to be able to read to be in this church, okay? Okay? So don't do that to me again. You do have to read the probably preach, but <laughs> okay. So so uh, what I meant to say was made wine from water. And the next person will say, heal the nobleman's son. Alright, now you don't have to have a rhythm. We're not we're not gonna get behind you and give you a little bump, nothing. So don't don't skip over yourself. But preach to us what Jesus is doing. Okay? Got it? Got it? Can't you see? You need to move closer. You good? All right, we're going to start here, go here, go here, go here, go here, go here, and back. You got it? Any, any questions? Can that spark faith in you that Jesus who did those things builds up? If God could do, uh, if it were up to you, we'd already be exhausted, right? But if the one who is at work is the one who cures and heals and casts out and brings back and restores and enlivens, Jesus has a history of doing wondrous work. The same Jesus who did these things builds us as a church. The same Jesus who did these things builds you, changes you, turns you, renovates you, gives you life. Jesus says to Peter, you are Peter. And upon this will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it Uh, the the gates of everything that is against the mission of God will not prevail against it